Are there things in your business that you know aren't your strength and if you could just offload it, you'd feel some of the pressure lift away so that you can focus on what you love? Well, like me, today's guest believes that we should be able to do more of the things that we want to do and less of what we don't. But for some, it can be difficult for us to delegate tasks, whether that's because we don't know what to delegate or when to know that we're ready to delegate or maybe it's the way we delegate or that we don't. And what are some of the best practices for finding meaningful help when we're ready? Well, that's what we're about to dive into. If you're a female entrepreneur who wants to break free from the pressure and experience peace and alignment to live that life you've always envisioned, then this is the show for you. I'm your host, Jamie Milam. All my life, I've been self-reliant with a figure-it-out mentality. Starting with being on my own at the age of 15, overcoming drug addiction when I learned I'd become a mom at 19, and rebuilding my life out of a single Rubbermaid storage tote to now running the three businesses I've built. So I'm no stranger to pressure. My figured out mentality created systems that helped, but I still found myself headed to burnout. I learned to listen to myself and apply the most powerful tool I had, my own self-awareness. So. I shifted to incorporate my true self and align my strategies accordingly. And now I apply this practice to every area of my life. I'm on a mission to help you develop a practice of self-awareness, to learn to value yourself so you can honor those parts of you in your daily activities and finally live that life you're determined to have. This is Determined AF. Welcome to another episode of Determined AF, where I am determined to help you guys create more peace and alignment in your life by removing some pressures that are in your world. And today, I am so excited to chat about a key component to how we can be strategic with removing some of that pressure when it comes to adding in leverage. So it only makes sense that I bring in Ashley Quinto Powell into this conversation Because not only is she a fellow serial entrepreneur and a mother, she's also the author of Executive Motherhood, Having Without Doing, and she's the founder of My VA Rocks, which is a virtual assistant agency. So her experience has certainly shown her that when we get to focus on our visionary and our strategic productivity, it's going to help get us where we want to go. So let me just say, welcome, Ashley. I'm ecstatic for everyone to be a part of your energy today because it's so much fun. Thank you. I am a bonkers excited to be here. It's going to be a fun conversation. And I just, I just want to jump in, right? Because you and I, when we chatted, we are both big believers that with leverage, we can get a lot more done. Um, And when you're a mom, when you are an entrepreneur and you are multi-passionate, obviously you have a ton of ideas. So leverage is going to help. And obviously that can be, you know, people, tools, systems. And today I kind of wanted to focus on delegation, um, the people version of of leverage. Uh, So let me just kind of start this journey just by first asking a limiting belief that I think might be sitting in the minds of some of our listeners, right? Um, I think a lot of people might say like, I can't delegate that because it needs my personal attention. It needs my brand. It needs my voice. They don't know how to do it the way that I do or the way that I like, or my clients want to hear from me, right? So on and so forth. So can you maybe start by sharing with us some of the biggest reasons that you found that business owners 
don't take that leap to delegate? Are those common or are there other ones? And then how do you kind of navigate that? Sure. So I feel like I'm an expert in these particular limiting beliefs. This is one of the things that I talk to clients about all day. And I'm actually really fascinated by the way people ask for and accept help. But the uh, sort of the three things that are getting in our way, I think, this is such a great question, are it's my baby and only I can do it. Uh, it needs to be perfect or it's easier to do it myself. And uh, I think, you know, all of these, if we thought about rationally, we would understand how false they are, but they're super ingrained. And as you know, I'm in Madison, Wisconsin. I do a lot of work in Chicago and in the Midwest. Heaven help us. Midwestern entrepreneurs are so nice and so kind, and we are so hardworking and we will do it ourselves. And it's sometimes that it just gets to be a little ridiculous, but the, um, you know, the, it's my baby and only I can do it is just such hubris. And it's so limiting because if we are stuck in small stuff, we're never getting to big stuff. And I think it's so important to be thinking about like, what's the big stuff that you can be doing? Because the little stuff can feel productive and it can feel really important, but that's not where the world needs us. The world needs us creating big things and doing and making big changes. And we're not effectively doing that if uh, if we're convinced everything is our baby and the only person who can do it is ourselves. And, and as a mom, you know, we don't even treat babies that way. Right. We don't even hold a baby for 18 years. Like, you know what? We have someone else hold the baby kind of pretty soon. And then we allow the baby to stand on its own. And then we allow the baby to you know, eventually go off to college and be its own own person. Like this is how we treat babies. But when it's an, an entrepreneurial venture, sometimes we get so precious about only I can do it. And of course, perfectionism is incredibly limiting and is an easy way for us to let ourselves off the hook to, you know, avoid accomplishing the big things and making it to the big, hairy, audacious goals. But I think the worst is it's easier to do it myself. You know, just this one last time, it's easier to do it myself. And I used to joke that that was my biggest competition in the virtual assistant world, uh, that it can feel so overwhelming to delegate to someone else and you feel like you're putting someone out. Anyway, I'm sort of babbling. It's not easier to do it yourself. And we know this. And we just need to keep telling ourselves that. Well, it is a tough one, right? Um, it's easier to do it myself. It, it requires us to slow down and be patient. Also to be clear with communication, if we were going to delegate it to somebody else. Like the other piece of this too, is I think that people forget that we have tools available to us, such as you know, loom where you can record what you're doing so that you can show somebody, you know, an employee or a virtual assistant, even if it's not a virtual assistant and it's a local employee, I have found that a loom video that they can go in and watch and rewatch, especially on a task that Absolutely. may not be a daily task that they need to get a refresher for. It's going to be so much more effective because now I don't end up going down a rabbit hole sitting there talking to my employee at their desk, what could have been done in five minutes might have been stretched to 15 or 20 if I'm sitting there next to them. It's so much more efficient, but we just have to slow down and think intentionally about what is it that we want them to be able to do so that we can take on other stuff. Mm -hmm. um, Cause you're saying it, right. It's all of those things are great excuses, but they're never going to get us to the bigger things that are more revenue generating. So absolutely. 
you know, I, I think the other piece to that is that you get to that point where eventually the little things start to add up and, and they might not be getting done or you end up spending way more time in your day doing them, which I've found, you know, can bring you out of alignment with what your real needs and desires were, how you wanted to show up as being somebody in business for yourself. I mean, we got into business for ourselves that we had a little bit of flexibility, freedom to say yes and no to things so that we can have more freedom and flexibility with our time. And if we take it all on ourselves, next thing you know, you're not working 40 hours a week, you're working 60 hours a week. Absolutely. And so you start to get overwhelmed as that growing entrepreneur, especially in the beginning when you're wearing all the hats because you're still working on building up the revenue to afford it. And I've seen newer entrepreneurs tend to wait to hire until they're absolutely drowning, mm -hmm. which means, mm -hmm. A, they don't take the time to slow down, to identify, to clearly define what it is that they need help with and, and what that process is that they've been doing that has worked so that it gives at least a starting basis, right? Which then leads to hiring out of desperation rather than alignment essentially. So can you help us maybe understand like, what are some of the indicators that are pointing to it's time to hire before we get to that desperation point? Yeah, it's a great question because I think you can bring on a virtual assistant or someone in your business, just another employee in your business too soon. And, you know, I think if you're overly concerned about how quickly you can recoup a, your, a return on your investment. And, you know, you're, if you have everything riding on a new employee, it can be a lot of pressure for both the employee and the business owner. And so we've started asking our clients like, Hey, is your business paying you yet? Because if it's not, it's too early. So your business needs to be paying you because a VA can make you more profitable, but a VA probably can't make you profitable from zero. Then I, the way that I do it in my business is I see where I have become a bottleneck and that's the next place. And it's a pretty easy place to identify because, you know, in, you can, you can tell clients are backing up or, uh, you know, there's a, there's something in delivery that's off get that off of your plate first. It just is a really good indicator. Um, but sometimes I think anything repetitive that if I'm doing it and I say, you know, what do you spend like $40 for someone else to do this? And if it's painful enough, like the answer is an easy yes. That's a great place too to start identifying, you know, where would I rather be absolutely anywhere else? Or where would I just rather be on the couch while someone else does this. And last, there's a methodology that we use called the six T's. And I'm blanking on who the original author of it is, but the six T's are like, is it tiny, uh, time consuming? Is it teachable? Are you terrible at it? Uh, you know, there are a couple more, but it just sort of goes through like, what are you focusing on that someone else can just do for you? I love that you mentioned these because it's something that pops up in other conversations that I've had going back to, are you paying yourself first, right? Like mm -hmm. most entrepreneurs starting out, they don't have a safety net built in preparation for how to get to that spot. And you're right. If it's not bringing in enough net revenue, then do we actually have the revenue to spend, or are you going to be in a zero profit margin? You know, it's, yeah. it doesn't make sense. The other thing is the repetitive. 
Um, because even when you're talking about those six T's, you know, is it teachable? Is it, you know, does it feel terrible doing it? You know, but if it is one of those tasks that's repetitive, that's why I love um, like a task management system. We've used ClickUp for like five years, obviously Trello, Asana, those are some competitors Mm -hmm. of such a thing. But when we don't know what to delegate, or what we could take off of our plate, what it is that causes the bottleneck, we have to start to log some of our activities. And so something that I've shared with other clients is that take a week, take two weeks and literally just print out, you know, a daily calendar, you know, with all the hours or whatever, and notate everything that you're doing, how much time you're spending on it so that you would know, okay, this is how much time I would need to hire somebody to do just this one piece of admin work or whatever it might be or copywriting or whatever. You don't need to have somebody to do everything um, because they have different skills too. So you don't know what exactly it is that you should delegate out first unless you're tracking it. And that's why I love something like ClickUp because, you know, even if they're a solo entrepreneur, then they can easily categorize those tasks, helping them to batch it. They can see workloads in different areas, um, which workloads have room for automation that would prevent some of those bottlenecks, then again, that's also a great benefit working with the VA because they're also tend to be working with a task management system. And next thing you know, they can make it way more efficient. And then you can use the VA for more things because they've set up some automation through a different platform. Um, Absolutely. I just, not to mention, then it's easier to, if you have a workflow that's working really well for you as a solopreneur, and it has this automated workflow in a a system as ClickUp or Asana or whatever, now you can also directly assign those tasks to this new person and it automatically keeps that workflow going. So if you've got something that's working really well and you're like, I don't want this to really be different, then it's an easy way for you just to pass it off via signing off on it and and assigning it to somebody else in that system. So, you know, I I feel like when we think about hiring out of desperation versus alignment, it can be tough when you've not hired anybody before. And so when, when you do think about that, like, how do you, how do you navigate that? You know, because you don't know what you don't know until you know it. So if, if I've tracked my tasks and I've, kept an energy log on it, a time log on them. And I see what I need, but they fit multiple different categories, I guess you could say, maybe like content creation, copy, you know, admin stuff, email software, whatever. How do you determine like what to delegate first out of it? Well, I think I have a sales background too. So I tend to be focused on what is closest to the sale or closest to the bottom line. Sometimes we'll have clients who want us to organize their Google Drive, which is a great project for a VA. But if you're all of your all of your monthly and quarterly goals are focused on revenue, it's about the last place you should be paying someone to focus. And so something revenue generating or lead generating is probably the right place. So I would actually let your goals drive that. It is really, really hard to start working with someone for the first time. You know, when I meet with people, they are often so overwhelmed that they will burst into tears because my opening question is usually something like, tell me what's going on and what you're dreaming about having a virtual assistant take over for you. And they start with stuff at work and then it goes into stuff at home and then it goes into like civic stuff. And then, you know, they, this is the first time that they have really identified like, man, I am 
operating like a one-armed paper hanger and I'm tired and I, this is patently too much. And it has happened. It has happened so many times actually that those folks then have trouble bringing on someone who can help them because I think it's, you know, it's sometimes I equate letting someone see into your business, like opening your kimono or putting, opening your closet, you know, like that, this can be embarrassing. It certainly feels like, I mean, if you have any imposter syndrome, it will rear its ugly head in that moment where you think like, oh, somebody's going to notice when they see underneath the hood that this is not a working business, but flim flam put, put together with post-it notes and a piece of scotch tape. And uh, so, you know, they're afraid to be open and honest there. They're afraid that someone is going to um, uh, represent them poorly. And there's just a lot that goes in there. It's hard also to give feedback. Again, I'm in the Midwest where we're so kind that we would rather say, yes, it's great on something that wasn't than give helpful feedback. And the way that we do it with virtual assistants is we pair a third party. We have a, an onboarding specialist who is assigned to like smooth over the first several months of that relationship. But a lot of what they're doing is creating mechanisms for feedback. And, you know, the way that I do it with my personal VA is when there is something in Slack, for instance, I have a, an emoji for yes, an emoji for no, and an emoji for, I don't want to talk about this again. You know, like, I don't need to see this. We don't need to, this is not important enough. And it's the, um, it's the monkey covering its eyes. Like, I just don't need to see it. And I just needed a mechanism for helpful. I don't need this. Stop wasting your time recreating, recreating it in Slack. Just don't do it. And that has been really, really helpful. But building in those feedback mechanisms so that you can get, because you're the person helping you, no matter who it is. And I have gone on the record as having had my children help with text messages and my husband help with literally everything. So it doesn't even need to be someone that you pay, but they want to help you. And no one is helped by having like fake help that is actually not truly helpful. You want to really spend the time to give good feedback and get things where you need them to be. Mm, mm. I love, I love this because something that you just said is as a Midwesterner, you find that you guys are, it's too calm. I mean, I'm from Oklahoma. We're technically, you know, considered a Midwest now over into the Carolinas. So now they call us Southern. I feel like we're direct East. It's weird, but either way, it's the same thing, right? You, you feel like you're critiquing if you're giving feedback, but what's mm -hmm. happening on the inside, whenever you ignore that piece of you saying like, this is not being done the way that I want it to be done. I really feel like they're not capturing my voice or whatever the situation is. What happens on the inside that we're doing to ourselves is we're saying that that thought process is not valid. It is not worthy, that we don't value it ourselves enough to speak up and stand up for it. And so what happens is psychologically, we are then kind of twisting the story in our head and we build this resentment and we're not able to communicate effectively. But if we would just pause and slow down and find a way to communicate that works for us, works for the other party without throwing blame or shame, then we can start to communicate in a way that becomes effective, which why I mention all of that is because I love that you found a system that worked for you, which involved emojis so that you can make it really clear. Like, Hey, if I do, if I throw out this emoji, this emoji, or this emoji, this is what they mean without you having to get emotive about it 
ourself. You know, we don't end up becoming too, oh, what's the word here? Oh, yes. Is it precious? (laughs) Is it precious? It's so not precious. Intimidating (laughs) comes to mind. Uh, Aggressive. No, maybe those are just words that have been associated with me. Uh, But no, if you're not effectively able to communicate, you know, giving grace for, first of all, you're learning something, you're both learning, you're learning each other, but they don't understand your process if you don't give back that feedback. And so you're just going to keep going into this cycle without any of that communication. So I love that. I also love that you mentioned an uh, an onboarding during those first few months. What's amazing about that, Ashley, is what will happen is the client will more likely tell the onboarding liaison Mm -hmm. issues that they have because they don't want to give that direct feedback to the actual VA for fear of hurting their feelings or coming across unhappy, you know, displeased. And so when you have your team members, AKA the onboarding person who knows how to effectively communicate it to the VA, removing somewhat of that emotion, then you're likely to get more of that feedback from the client, which I love that. Well, you've really hit the nail on the head. It is really hard to give direct feedback, especially when you're, you know, this is new for you. You're not sure which opinions of yours are valid. And, um, of course, they're all valid, but we that's not thats not the headspace that we're in when we're trying to get stuff off of our plate. And um, it does take a while to get used to that. We've also started having the VAs, instead of asking, hey, do you have any feedback for me? Saying, give me three pieces of feedback. You know, it's not an open-ended like, oh, hey, is there anything you'd like to mention? It's, no, I need you to find three things that you want to talk about. And that's it's necessary for the, they can be big, they can be small, they can be good, they can be, they can be critical. It doesn't matter. We just need three things to talk about that would make this better. And that went a long way towards making things. And that's how I, that's now how I ask for feedback from my team as well. And, you know, it's a privilege to learn and grow. It's a great privilege. And it's been a, it's been a handy trick. Yeah, you're right. It it can be tough. And, you know, we've even in our team have done, you know, like, what are three things that uh, I did really well this week? What are three areas for opportunity? You Mm -hmm. know, so just kind of circling back for a minute, you talked about delegating something that is close to sales, like what's going to help generate revenue. And for a solopreneur, especially wearing all of the hats, it's only natural to assume that, You're not an expert at all of the things. You're not a tech expert. You're not able to connect all the funnels. You're not a copy expert. You may not be a content or a video expert. Like you may be specifically great at speaking or whatever, Mm -hmm. but clearly you need to figure out a way to book more gigs. You need to have a bigger email list, a bigger, you know, database, we'll call it a lead database in some shape or form, no matter what that might be. And so, you know, for some people, if you're looking to increase your email list, well, how great are you at copy? You've got to send something out every single week. So you may start with one thing, which might be the email copy, you know, your weekly newsletters, your email sequences, whatever that might be, that's going to help convert, you know, nurture your leads and convert them. Because again, without the sales process, you don't really have any business, you know, you need to be out there in front of people. So when it comes to like, let's say 
whether it's copy or whatever it is that you've decided to delegate out first. Once we've decided, all right, we're ready to hire. We know what we need the most help with. Now, what's the best way to actually delegate these tasks? I know you just talked about having an onboarding person. So, you know, are there best practices for, for training them, for setting expectations, for the communication, you know, et cetera? Like what, what are some of those best practices? You know, I'm sort of a student of all of the different methods. The one that I like most recently comes from the book, Who Not How?, And it's an impact, it's called an impact filter. You can find it online, but it basically is a mechanism for the person who has the idea, put down what your idea is, what the best possible outcomes are, and really get the thing out of your head and onto uh, paper so that the person that you're delegating to has an idea of what success looks like, what failure looks like what something in between looks like, what the long range vision is, where it comes from, you have a lot of context. And it's a, so the impact filter is a truly great prompt at getting those things off the table. The way that I tend to start things is by having a client tell me what they're, they've been fantasizing about having someone take off their plate. Like, what is the thing that if you truly were given a magic wand would just never have to deal with ever again. And, um, email was that for me, I hate being in my email. I think that it's so it's, it's boring. It's like, you know, the only reward for being really good at email is that you get more email and everyone expects it to be like really fit. And it's just a nightmare. And I've never been able to keep up on, um, on email. I'm, I feel like I'm pummeled. And also I am much better at like getting to coffee with someone and then changing the world. That's really where I shine. But, uh, when it came to my email, uh, teaching someone how to be in there. Now we have, now I have a methodology that has you start, start in some of these ways, but start with sort of the easiest things, get the low hanging fruit, and then focus on, you know, the Pareto principle that you make 20% of, or 80% of your money on 20% of your time. Um, Focus on that stuff. The stuff that really moves your business forward. How can you either be automating that, delegating it, or putting yourself in a position where you have the time to do it yourself if it is truly something that only you can do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so if it's something that you do end up giving out to them and you tell them, okay, here's my perfect vision. This is this is what my fantasy is in terms of what my business is doing, what my end goal is, who I'm impacting. Like you're clear about what your service or your product is out in the world. You've communicated that. And then you've said, this is what I've been doing. And I can clearly see that I need some assistance here. This is my vision for what it would look like. I don't know. Are you giving them free reign? Are you handing over the process that you've been doing that is, you know, working just maybe not um, as refined, you know, how do you, how do you kind of set those expectations for them to know what to take off and do for the VA? Well, actually setting expectations is something that most people don't get to being able to be really strong about here are the goals for the quarter. Here are my goals for you. Here's what success looks like. I think that's a very commonly skipped step. So addressing it at all is probably a huge win for most folks. So that you do that naturally, I think is, you should give yourself a determined AF pat on the back. 
I'm like setting expectations reduces frustrations. It is literally <laughs> something I say regularly because it doesn't really matter what the dynamic, who it is that you're talking with. It's again, if you've got something in your brain and you're not communicating it, then, you know, people start to find frustration, whether it's you or it's the other person, because they're like, well, you didn't tell me that's what you wanted. You didn't tell mm -hmm. me that's how you wanted it done. You didn't tell me that you wanted it done by this time, you know, so sometimes setting those expectations, but also setting goals, you know, even for that person, like for this to make financial sense for me, you know, at the end of 90 days, I really need to know that we've mastered this one thing that it's pushing us forward. My goal for you is to increase the email list, you know, by 150 or whatever the number might be. But I think that it's it that two-way dialogue becomes difficult in training a VA or any employee. I mean, I've done it in person and it it's difficult in person or in virtually. Um, and so that's why I'm wondering, like, if, if there is a best practice. I mean, you know, I I have hired VAs uh, overseas. I've hired them in the U.S. I have hired them through an agency. I've hired them one to one. I've tried all the stuff, and I really feel like I kind of built the agency that I wanted to be a customer of. But it'll be different. It'll be different for everyone. There are people who work really, really well with overseas virtual assistants. Four-hour workweek is a great example. He's like obsessed with, and he has a certain quality in him that makes that really successful. He's very clear on what he wants. He gives very clear instructions. He doesn't expect deviation from that, and he doesn't get deviation from that. So also, he doesn't get feedback returned to him either. And that's something that I really need in a VA personally. Like I need you to say, sister, that's not going to work. I've seen it. I've tried it. It doesn't work. Let's come up with something else. You know, I really need like some, um, I need someone with, you know, I need brain power. I need like business acumen. And I also like kind of want to be friend. I want to be really friendly with the people that I work with. It's really important to me that we be, you know, work friends are important. So I just need to feel like you have, you have stuff going on, but the initial wave of what you delegate may be wrong and that is okay. But as long as you're in starting to be in the habit of identifying what about your workday is taking up time that doesn't need to, or can be done by someone else. And the sales stuff is is a such a good place to start. I think additionally, because, and I have a VA who runs a sales sequence for me and I don't see anything until a discovery call is in my inbox. And I get super excited about them when they're in my inbox. Like, yay, this is going so well. I don't see any of the cold emails. I don't see any of the times people have snapped back at her or, you know, I just don't see any of that. So also I can show up really fresh to those discovery calls, not already have being raked over the coals through this cold calling process. Someone else is doing that for me. That's really, I think, important too, that, you know, we acknowledge that some of this is very emotional and you need to keep yourself bolstered for when it really counts, which is not helpfully, it's not making a hundred cold calls. It's showing up to discovery calls that someone is excited to be on with you. Exactly. It's actually having the two-way conversation for those that are ready, you know, potentially right now or, or in the near future, you know, they're hotter in the pipeline. 
But I think what you just said is you did compare, you know, how one system such as an overseas VA might work for certain personalities, but for your personality, you knew that you needed somebody that would be willing to mastermind with you, think a bit outside of the box, give you feedback to say, what if we tried this? And if I'm hearing you correct, even with the sales sequence, it's having the autonomy, having people in place that are willing to take the initiative and have that autonomy to find what works and, and tweak it and then present you with your ideal outcome, which is, I just want to see the discovery calls booked in my inbox. You know, let me know when it's on my calendar and I show up for it because that's where I'll shine. You know, like you just said, have coffee and change the world. You know, you can be having, I think you might be having a cup of coffee over there right now. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's showing up to conversations yeah. like this or with potential clients. But what that comes back to is really having a sense of awareness around what is it that you need? Not what you've read in a book or what others in your Facebook group are telling you that you should do, how you should do it or the expectations that you should have with this new VA. What is it that you want? How do you want to be communicated? How do you want to communicate with them? I came from corporate prior to real estate. And when I hired a team and, you know, when we have our own office, that's basically like a 13 by 13 room. I used to say like, this is my space. And I need, if we can't mesh, then we're not, it's not going to work out. Right. Like if you're not comfortable with an occasional F-bomb, you were probably not a good fit because I need to be able to be myself in this 13 by 13. And at the same time, there would be many, many moments where I would have it stuck in my head that I have to keep personal and business completely separated. It's not going to happen. It's so unrealistic. It's I so unrealistic. I mean, I, I feel like in some corporate spaces, it certainly can be such, um, at least in the space that I was in. And, and it's impossible. I, I cannot be two different versions of me. And it's not conducive. I yeah. need to be able to speak freely. And so I think that that's important is to know what your style is, what you need. Some people are really great if you just give them a checklist things of things to do. I don't even want to pause to think about the entire checklist that I need to delegate to you for today. I need you to be able to run on some autonomy. Yes, I kind of want you to read my mind and I want you to tweak the things. I want you to look at the analytics. I want you to see like what's working, what's not working. Come to me with brainstorming or just try it on your own if it's something that's on yeah. the back end. You know, so you have to know what works for you to be able to then communicate it when you're interviewing different you know, VAs, different VA agencies, whenever you're starting to look at what sort of leverage can they actually provide? Like, what is that VA's style too? And if if you're not familiar enough with what you need, you're going to struggle. And at the same time, let me also say this. You don't know what you don't know until you know it. It's just like when you were trying to figure out your own messaging for your content, you know, for your conversion, for your sales, you tweaked, you tried different things. You're going to have to do that too as you continue to learn what's the best way to communicate with a, an assistant of any sort and to move the process along. And so I think you've got to start with some of that grace and awareness that it's going to take a little bit of time and you've got to be willing to do it, which is why Ashley said up front, like, are you paying yourself? Do you have the revenue mm -hmm. to be able to do this? Or are you so reliant on it? Because if you continue to add pressure to it, it's going to be harder to find peace and stay on your alignment track in, in communicating with them. And so 
I think that that's extremely helpful to, to think about whenever you're trying to find somebody that's going to compliment your style, your voice, your brand, um, and just be a better overall, like aligned fit, essentially. You know, you hit on something that most people never are able to appropriately identify, but it's something that we think about a lot. And it is the tolerance for risk. If there's a mismatch, the whole thing is wrong. So if the person that's helping you um, is asking every step of the way, okay, I did a little bit. Does this look okay? Okay, now I have a question. Now, how does this look? Now, And that is really comforting to someone who has a high aversion to risk. If they are, you know, if they want to avoid risk at all costs, that makes them feel very comforted that the thing is not a runaway train. But if they're a, a risk taker, that feels like, man, you're such an idiot. Do the thing. I'll let you know how it went. And so matching those two things, I think that is probably an engagement killer more than more than skill level, more than I think anything other than energy level. If you're mis- mismatched on how much energy you're putting out in your day, you know, like I don't really do well with someone who's methodical, although I'm willing to admit that methodical people are great people and very, you know, we need them in the workforce for sure. But I trample all over people who are methodical. Get out of my way. We've, we have solved that five seconds ago. Like, let's move. And so I just need people who are comfortable moving at that pace and also who can, who are aware of my level of risk. I think that's really intuitive. And it's tough to identify. And for that person who's like, what do you mean? Of course it's fine. If it wasn't fine, I would have already said something about it. Did you hear me snap at you? Did you hear me give you feedback? Like, of course it's fine. Like the other piece of that is at least (laughs) maybe just speaking personally, you know, is when you do move fast like that, you also have to slow down to take the time to give the cookies, to give the compliments so that this person, because when your brain is working so quickly and you're like, sweet, she's nailing it on to the next, on to the next, like, okay, now can you do this? Like sometimes they're not working that fast in their brain that they're like, okay, was this good? You know, like, did you like this? Or if you go straight into a you know, I call it constructive criticism. Other people call it critiquing. (laughs) I like constructive criticism. Personally, I can't do better, you know, be better or, or know any better if you don't let me be aware of it. And so I would tend to do that without first complimenting what you did really well, what I liked about this. And I think that that's really important as you're Mm -hmm. building that relationship up front is letting them know what you liked about it and what you'd like to see be different. Going back just to the same example, just to be you know, on the same path here, like if it's email copy or newsletters or blogs or whatever, copywriting, if there's a sentence or a paragraph or a couple of paragraphs that you felt really captured the essence of your voice and your brand in it, you need to start with that. That's what you need to point out. Like yeah. I loved these two paragraphs. It feels like I literally was speaking these words and I think my audience will really find my personality in that. Where I think we started to fall off is down here. Or could you could you rephrase some of these other paragraphs, you know, to give an essence of this this or that, right? So I think that that that's something that as those of us that are willing to move fast or or just naturally moving fast, we skip over the part of the complimenting and Mm -hmm. I'm going to just say it. It's my experience that if we're doing that with others, we tend to be doing that with ourselves. We tend to not be celebrating our own wins. 
mm-hmm. and really taking time to acknowledge what we've done. And we're just on to the next, on to the next, keep pushing, keep growing, keep doing. And I think that it's important that we really slow down so that we can be present in that and pay attention to like, how am I feeling along the way with doing this? Am I headed towards burnout or am I still really fulfilled with this? You know, and, and I think that that it can become a very tricky line. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and there's, um, that sort of part of being an entrepreneur, right? It's, we don't work on the weekends, hopefully, well, at least we don't start working on the weekends, working at night because we hate it. Usually it's, we had to take care of one thing. I said, actually, we need to admit, we enjoy this. Like, this is fun. This is a, it's a beautiful privilege. We should absolutely, as you stated at the first, this is something that we got into because we wanted flexibility and we wanted time. And we still need to retain all of those very, very important goals. It's, it is important. It, it's about integrating balance into that. And you saying, you know, we need the right amount, like the right ratios essentially to, you know, the things that bring us joy. And I will say this in the beginning, it is, it is exciting. It's, you know, hopeful. You're really lit up about it. And it can also become overwhelming because you're doing all of the things you can feel weight of pressure, you know, kind of piling on, whether that's pressure that you put on yourself or that you feel like others are expecting of you, like, oh, you're doing this thing. Like, when is it actually going to like take off, you know, or are you wasting your time? You know, even if those are imagined expectations, these things can pile on. But if you are missing taking the time to fill up your cup and you start finding yourself working nights and weekends, not because you're excited and because you have the extra space, but because you're using it as a distraction or to avoid pressure and try to, you know, different goals that you feel behind on, it's okay to rework these goals and take more time to hit them, slow it down, or else you're going to hit a burnout pace, you know, or you're going to have worked in a way that again, you're going to go back to in need for leverage and you will hire out of desperation rather than out of alignment and with intentional patience to be able to communicate through it. So I think it's really important to take time to pay attention to what are you doing for you in this process of building a business and, you know, just being aware of, of celebrating, like I said, celebrating the win, celebrating the fact that you did the dang thing. You took this step. You're, you're working towards this thing. And same with hiring somebody that can add a lot of pressure because now you need to make enough money to also take care of their livelihood and help support them. And that adds pressure too. So make sure that you've primed the, you know, the machine well enough that you've got that safety net, you're ready to go. And you've got the time to communicate, to find what works. And like you said, if it's just like a not great match from the get-go, It'll probably be pretty evident, you know, but I think having an agency as like a mediator helps make that decision way faster and you spend way less money in the long run because you're getting that feedback, you're giving that feedback and you're like, maybe this isn't the best fit. And you know the questions to ask the client to determine like, where are we at with this with this match, you know? And that can be way easier than having to fight, hire and fire you <laughs> Like I love third-party services because I personally do not like managing people. It was lit. It's like literally the worst part of my job for me and my personality. Maybe it's because of my Midwesternness, but now finding contract like contractors and, you know, independent Mm -hmm. providers, um, 
is way easier for me. I, I love that because I feel like the feedback is way easy. Like they know that they've been hired to do a job. Yeah. It's just a different perspective for me. But again, it comes back to finding what it wor- what works for me, being aware of what works for me, not being told what I should do and how my team should look and what that growth should look like. So we have to really like narrow in on that. And so just to wrap up really quick, I'm curious, anybody, Ashley, that is just determined to finally step into that confidence, like to feel confident enough to delegate through, you know, people hiring assistants. What is the first thing that you would want them to, to think, to know, or, or to consider what's the most important thing? Oh goodness. What an outstanding question. I think probably that just like you spend money to make money, sometimes you invest time to make time and you know, this is a relationship that can be absolute straight up magic. And for, we have clients that say this has absolutely changed my entire life, but it is not with that. It doesn't happen magically and it doesn't happen instantaneously. And as long as you have those things in your, in your head, you know, that, you know, this is an investment you're making in time. Um, it'll, it, and once you get there again, it's straight up magic. It's the best thing ever. And I want, I really genuinely want that for everyone. Ah, I love that. Write that down, y'all. Just like you invest money to make money, invest time to get back time. I I love that. That should be like on your website. Um, put it, <laughs> I think it somewhere. Might be. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would make sense. <laughs> okay, well, that, Ashley, I'm going to make sure to link in our show notes. Um, a link to your book that's available on Amazon. Again, it's Executive Motherhood, Having It All Without Doing It All. And tell the audience where else they can you know, find more of you and be in your world. Sure, you can learn about MyVARocks at MyVA.rocks. Um, and uh, I'm very active on LinkedIn. You can find me at Ashley Quinto Powell. Perfect. Perfect. We'll get those down in the show notes as well. And so I really appreciate you being here. This is such a fun conversation. I'm glad that we were able to kind of show how, you know, you can find leverage and do it in a very aligned way to relieve some of that pressure. So thanks for being here. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. 